Super Talk Mississippi media production. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty at the First Bank Studios here in Hattiesburg. Kelly Sander joining us remotely today. Luke Johnson will be on the show a little later. Luke is on the road uh, getting ready to do a junior college football game, and he'll be updating us uh, later in the program about junior college football tonight. Former Southern Miss basketball coach Donnie Tindall will be joining us Later in the show, and we're about to bring our good friend Patrick McGee on. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour and a great place for you to enjoy a great weekend or weeknight meal. Uh, it's always fresh. You can enjoy it in the dining room, drive through, or take home uh, delivery. Whatever you choose, just be sure you choose Dickie's. All right, Patrick McGee is with us. The professor joins us every Thursday. And, uh, Patrick, we all wait with rather bated breath. Here we are Thursday and. uh I guess it'll be tomorrow morning if we know whether or not Southern Miss has enough healthy kids to uh, travel to Liberty. Any thoughts that you may have in that regard? No, I mean, there's uh, no insight, but it's also always you know, not a good sign when your head coach is out with uh, COVID. Uh, that tells you it's probably kind of an active situation at the moment. Uh, you know, it's it's not completely under wraps. So uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, each week is just going to be a challenge for every program and like you said, you kind of get to Thursday and before you make a road trip and, and make that decision. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would think we would find out tomorrow. Uh, Scotty Walden started the week uh, optimistic that he would help the players necessary to, to make it to Liberty. But, uh, you know, it, it, you don't hear many coaches, you know, start the week with a game on Saturday. like, yeah, I don't think we're going to make it, guys. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably find out tomorrow. Uh, but uh, as Walden said, he was optimistic that he would have the sufficient depth to go up there. If they get to go and get out there, they're going to have their hands full, aren't they, Patrick? Yeah, Liberty's a good football team. I've seen bits and pieces of them this year, and their quarterback and Auburn transfer is really impressive. Uh, Willis, he's a big guy, a strong guy that can run with it and look pretty solid uh, throwing the ball. So, and that, and and really defensively, they're pretty tough as well. Uh, they've gotten after the quarterback and been pretty good up front. Uh, all around, they've uh, uh, they've been kind of lucky. Uh, there's, they've played five games. They've won every one of them. So uh, this is a well-prepared Liberty team. But I guess if Southern Miss can get healthy enough and get some of the key guys up there, uh, maybe have a Tim Jones back and some other guys that didn't play last time out. So I think uh, if Southern Miss can get up there, they can maybe give them a game. But Liberty, obviously, is going to be a heavy favorite. As a guy that makes his living covering sports, uh, analyze the job you think Hugh Freeze has done at Liberty. Seems pretty remarkable. You go to a school like Liberty, with all due respect to them, I know they, they have great facilities, but they're not a you know a powerhouse in college football. And uh, he seems to have really gotten them on the right track. Yeah, I think you, we've seen kind of glimpses of them kind of stepping up as, as a program as they put more resources into the program with facilities, uh, willing to pay the football coach. Uh, you know, Freeze is making a good living up there and uh, he's he's building a program and and he's able to get some pretty good transfers in there as well as recruit. You know they're able to go in there and 
compete with some other group of five uh, schools, say in Florida and up in Virginia, and get quality players. It's uh, Virginia has always been loaded with talent. Uh, you just never really seen that powerhouse program really come out of there. So, uh, yeah, I, I, he's done a good job. I mean, I never doubted that Hugh Freeze would win wherever he landed next. And, uh, obviously, he's building something that looks pretty solid there at Liberty. Right. Uh, lots of rumors about Hugh Freeze. Obviously, the rumor about him coming here. I've seen his name mentioned at Auburn. But you know what's odd about that is everybody, every school that you hear Hugh Freeze's name being thrown out, they already have a football coach. Well, yeah, I mean, Hugh Freeze, you know, his, his uh, you know, he's, his goal is to get back into the SEC or possibly Big 12, something like that. He wants to get back and, and show folks that he's, a, that he's a, a guy that can really build a winner to a championship level. And uh, he was pretty impressive at Ole Miss, you know, made mistakes along the way and, and paid for it. Uh, but, you know, the man can recruit and he's a pretty good coach. Uh, if, if you, you know, put give Hugh Freeze a talented roster and he's able to, uh, uh, just from his sheer will, you know, on the recruiting angle, he's able to do that almost himself. Uh, he's he's an impressive guy, and uh, anybody that has Hugh Freeze on the staff is going to have enough players to, to beat the other guy. Well, I think it's fair to say that Ole Miss reached heights they hadn't been at in years and years when Hugh Freeze was there. Yeah, in, in terms of talent level, I don't think Ole Miss football has ever, you know, had that kind of level. Uh, you know, just in the modern football era, I mean, that was a, that was a team loaded with five stars. On both sides of the ball, uh, you know, I, I, the only thing I think he was ever really missing was that really that top dog at running back that you know to really carry the load every year. Uh, but yeah, it was those were some really really good football teams, uh, especially up front on offensive line and defensive line, and uh, that's how you win SEC championships. All right, all right, uh, we've got Kelly remotely with us today. Kelly, if you're there, uh, you might have a question or two for Patrick. Patrick, I know that you follow, obviously, the, the coast in particular on, on the high school front. Uh, just a quick mm-hmm. question about uh, what the what the MHSAA may do about the unequal schedules that teams play. I mean, you, playoffs are coming up, but some teams may have a 2 and one record, having only played three games. There may be other teams that, are, that have a, a 2 and 7 record, you know, maybe playing as many as nine games. So how are they going to shake all this out when the number of district games may be inequitable? Well, no, it comes down to is, is a lot of these games that say, you know, whenever Gulfport or, or say Long Beach, whenever they uh, were in quarantine for two weeks and, and missed two games, those are going to be two losses on their record. Uh, if, you know, if you're una- unable to show up in a re- region game because of COVID, uh, that's a loss. We had a situation where both Gulfport and Hancock uh, were in quarantine. And, and everything I've heard is that this, that's going to count as losses for both teams. <laughs> So I mean it's 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 really a rough situation for those programs. Uh, if if you can manage COVID and keep your roster somewhat intact and not deal with a, a, a significant outbreak, uh, you can you can win football games <laughs> partially just out of forfeits. Uh, so it's it's ugly. well and then and, go ahead and then go, go going up the ladder too because Conference USA is in the same situation where the Rice Owls still have not played a football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're trying to, and, and that's we've talked about this before. Right? This this conference USA season is really kind of, especially. I mean, every conference has challenges, but it seems like conference USA has had more issues than most. Uh, it's really headed towards a situation where it's going to be tough to determine who gets in the conference title game, uh, you know, or even if that happens. Uh, if we if we see you know some more uh, uh, games cancel week in and week out, and it, 
it doesn't appear this is slowing down. It may become more of an issue in the coming weeks. Uh, it, it's going to get messy, and uh, like I told Bob last week, it's kind of you're playing games for the sake of playing games. Uh, you're going out there doing your best, get on the field and, and play some football. And uh, it's you know it's going to be a challenge for Conference USA. They've already pushed back the Conference USA title game two weeks, and, and Southern Miss already has two games that they've got to make up. Uh, and and you got a long way to go. So it's going to be a challenge. All right, Patrick. So and it's the, even more difficult. Go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say it's, it's even more difficult for Scotty Walden to be able to make a push for that job when when his body of work is, is you know. Jeremy McLean doesn't even have a full body of work to look at as far as uh, Scotty's concerned right. because of COVID. Yeah, it's it's it, it has dinged his chances, and uh, it's really out of his control. And but you know, it's just really an impossible season in a lot of different ways. And uh, you know, really, I, I thought there could be football played this fall, but my reason, my skepticism for the season started is how ugly can it get? And you know, they've actually probably got more games in than I thought they would by this point, but. Uh, how they do from this point forward. And now that the Big Ten and the Pac-12, I think you've already had one game canceled in the Mountain West. Uh, how games go from here on out is, you know, it's just it's probably headed towards kind of a sloppy ending to the season. Now, Patrick, did you just say there was a situation where two teams are going to play such or each other and both lost? Yeah, that was uh, uh, Gulfport and Hancock. They were both in quarantine. And they and it, the way it counts, and the only way they figured out is if if both teams both teams have to take a loss. Uh, if if say those two teams are tied for a playoff spot at the end of the season, they would go back and look how those teams did against the best teams in the region, and they would do kind of a ranking situation like that. Maybe you would get in the playoffs, but yeah, it's 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 ugly. You get two yeah, each two team is handed loss. Well, you, do, yeah. you realize that it, that has been the dream scenario for Southern Miss fans regarding the Egg Bowl for years. That there could be a way that both teams would lose the Egg Bowl on the same day. Yeah, Southern Miss fans always root for their referees. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, about 30 seconds left. Your Saints, I, I read, if I'm wrong, correct me, they're actually going to be able to play in front of some fans? Yeah, I think it's 3,000 uh, uh, the first game out. I'm not sure how they're going to figure that out. I haven't read that out. I guess they'll have to do some type of lottery among season ticket holders or something like that. But, yeah. They're going to, I think they're going to try to gradually build up uh, crowds as they go along and see if maybe they can get a little bit bigger crowd uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, New Orleans is actually a pretty good spot right now in terms of COVID, so uh, now is a good time as ever to give that, give, that, uh, give that a shot. All right, brother, we always appreciate your input. Stay safe down there on the Gulf Coast. We'll look forward to having you back on the Eagle Hour next week. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, Patrick McGee, everybody, the one and only professor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, and always glad to have his input. All right, former Southern Miss basketball coach Donnie Tindall is next on the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at Campus Bookmart in the big yellow building right across from the campus, the main uh, entrance. 
of the campus in Hattiesburg. Campusbookmart.net is open 24-7 because it's online, of course. Your Southern Miss swag, including some of the bigger sizes. A few more full-figure guys like me, Campus Bookmart can get you ready to go, whether it's in the classroom or to whatever sporting event. Campus Bookmart is the place to go, either online or in person across from the main entrance to the campus in Hattiesburg. Campus Bookmart. Proud to be a sponsor here on the Eagle Hour, and we appreciate uh, their association with us. Joining us now on the Super Talk Mississippi Hotline is former Golden Eagle basketball coach Donnie Tyndall, whose career record at Southern Miss was 56 wins and just 17 losses. As Eagles finished first in the 13 and 14 season, the two years that um, he coached here, the successive records were 27 and 10, 29 and 7, with a couple of uh, postseason appearances most recently he was an assistant coach with the detroit pistons developmental league called the grand rapids drive and after one year as an assistant he was promoted to head coach he's now at chipola junior college in the panhandle of florida one of the premier basketball programs in the country at the junior college level coach donnie tindall on the on the uh, eagle talk with us here on the sports line coach how you doing man everything good I'm doing great, guys. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's good to hear your voice, Kelly. Bring back some really good memories for me. Yeah, we had some good times. Originally, Donnie, what was it that appealed, uh, the Southern Miss job, what was it that appealed to you about that opportunity? Well, I I think at the time, you know, Larry Stacey had just came off uh, their best season before he left to go to Colorado State, and... um, you know, I, I had a lot of familiarity in regard to recruiting that part of the country, having been an assistant at LSU and, and then, uh, you know, a head coach at, or assistant at Middle Tennessee, then the head coach at Moorhead State. I really recruited that area uh, of the country, and, and I really felt comfortable with the people. The selection committee um, did, the, did the hiring process, starting with General Hammond and, you know, Clarence Weatherspoon and, You just go down the list. That was a great group of guys. They were really, really impressive. I could tell in my interview that there was a real passion uh, to not just win at Southern Miss, but to get the community back involved and and really create a a program and a following. Uh, And I was excited about that. And it was hard for me to leave my alma mater where we had a great six-year run, but I saw a lot of promise in the Southern Miss opportunity. I did. And when you got to town, rather unorthodox, you had uh, neighborhood meetings where you would would call different subdivisions and say, "Hey, look, I want to you know I'm going to be at somebody's house. I'd like to meet everybody in the neighborhood. Let me shake their hands. Um, let's find out what's on their mind, sports wise." And that reignited the community in a particular interest in Southern Miss basketball. The students were showing up in droves. Um, you were feeding them pizza, you know, <laughs> you know, as an added bonus to come to the games. But basketball was fun again at Southern Miss. And I take it from those neighborhood meetings, Donnie, that's what you learned first and foremost? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is, is just what you said. The people in the community wanted to be excited about something and I think even though Larry had a good team his last year there he wasn't a guy that was very visible out in the community and so attendance was good but not great and I felt like well in order to get this thing really going and to compete with Memphis and the UABs of the world Memphis was still in Conference USA our first year um, we've got to rally this community behind us 
And so, yeah, I did a lot of different things like you just mentioned. We had people to my house. I went to different parties. You hosted one uh, and and met people and, and just let them get to know me and our staff as people first. And then we kept saying, hey, just come watch us play. We're going to put a product on the floor you're going to be proud of. And, and felt like once we got them there, they'd want to come back and hopefully bring others. And that's exactly what happened. And then in regard to the student section, I did the same thing I did at Moorhead State. I took it to Southern Miss in the fall. I went around and spoke to literally every fraternity and sorority, handed out schedule cards and schedule posters and, posters and challenged them. To, to be the biggest fraternity or sorority group to show up and, and support our team. And, and you can remember, I mean, uh, those kids were such a big part of us winning and doing well on our home floor. And we went to the NIT, and since that's a postseason deal, uh, their student ID would not get them into that game free. So I, I paid for the first 1,000 tickets for the students. We won our first game. I think Dr. Bennett was just coming in as our new president. He picked up the tab for the next home game for a thousand students, and I just think what it did, Kelly, is it showed people that we we number one were proud to be at Southern Miss, and then we gave them an opportunity to get to know us and feel some ownership in our program, like they were part of it, and they were. Everyone uh, in those community meetings and the parties we went to really felt like they were part of Southern Miss basketball. And to this day, I have people say, man, the only time it was ever even close to that was with Coach Turt, and what you had going was pretty darn special. And that's good to hear. And actually, current head basketball coach Jay Ladner attributes a lot of success to the program, too, to you and some of the things that you and your staff did to get the people back to Reed Green Coliseum. In your second year, Coach Donnie Tindall, your team went 29-7 and and really didn't even get a sniff from the NCAA basketball tournament. Does that kind of frost your behind to this day? Well, you know, I, I, I never try to talk about things that are negative too often because at the end of the day, all you really do when you do that is piss off somebody or upset somebody. Um, and, and at the time, I was really disappointed in the league that they didn't do a better job of marketing some of the teams in the league so that we would have a better chance to be a two-bid league. I mean, you win 29 games. I think our RPI was like 29 or 30 that year, and we had some good road wins. I think we went to DePaul and won. We Maybe first year went to Georgia and won, or maybe that was year two as well. But, you know, they just didn't respect our conference enough, Kelly, and that was part of me leaving. You know, when I, when, when I, uh, I turned down a couple different jobs, one after my first year, another one after my second year, right before I took Tennessee, that were better-paying jobs and, and probably better-known basketball schools. But I turned them down because I love Southern Miss. But when Tennessee came knocking, I felt like, look, it, it, it's a one-bid league. You have to play damn near perfect for three games in March to get in state tournament bid. You don't have to do that in the SEC that was part of the reason I, I ended up taking the job that I did. Hey, Coach. Well, the Conference USA, it's – go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. I was going to say, Coach, this is Bob Getty. I, you know, I, I know your, your second year here, too. You had another great team, and you had done really well the year before in the NIT, but yet the NIT, I think, gave you, what, a sixth or seventh seed? And I, I remember watching uh, – you were you guys were playing – I want to say it was Wisconsin – 
And uh, I remember the ESPN guys all through the game talking about how your team really had no business being in that tournament. Your team should have been in the NCAA. So it was uh, it was a matter of the, the I think the sportscasters in the world agreed too that the uh, USM had just been slighted uh, by, by the selection committee. Well, I, I think the biggest thing a lot of those people that were saying the, the things you're talking about, Bob, are are people that actually had watched our team play uh, two, three, four times throughout the season. And as you know, that selection committee has a tough job, but the chances are that those people on the committee may have seen our team play one time throughout the season. And, and maybe we happen to play good or maybe we happen to play poorly. I'm not sure what game they would have watched, but you know, we were a team that if you happen to catch us on the right night, you're not just saying we should be in the state tournament. You're saying they could possibly win a game or two. So uh, it, it was frustrating, and you're right. I do think a lot of different people across the basketball world felt both of our teams were state tournament worthy. Um, and, and that can become frustrating. I did my best at the time not to show too much um, you know, anger or bitterness. But at the end of the day, you know, you're not just uh, upsetting a head coach and the staff. There's a lot of young men in that locker room that their hearts were broken as well. And what did you say to those kids? Well, it, it's, a, it's a really, really delicate situation because you want them to know that, look, we're disappointed, we're hurt, we feel like we got slighted. But guys, we're playing in 48 hours, so if you don't get your heads up, and put it behind us, we're going to go get our tail whipped, and then everyone across the country is going to say, well, heck, they didn't deserve in. They got beat in the first round of the NIT. And, and we did not do that. Both years, we made it to the uh, final eight, or we got beat right before the final four our first year by um, B- BYU, and then the second year, like you're talking about, at Minnesota. It was Minnesota, not Wisconsin, That's but right. That's right. a Big Ten school. And um, so we made it you know, right to the final eight, and in, in both years, but uh, so I thought our team handled it well, but that's all you can really do, and, and that's part of being a leader and being a coach, handling adversity and trying to get your team through it. All right, we're going to hold you over. I don't know if you noticed, Kelly described himself in the intro as full-figured. I don't guess you remember him quite like that, do you, Coach Schenzel? Well, his, his, uh, his app on those dating web- websites says curvy. <laughs> We'll be back with Donnie Tindall after this. Southern Miss to the top. On our Super Talk network of stations across the state of Mississippi, this is the Eagle Hour. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill in the shadows of M.M. Roberts Stadium. Right across the 4th Street Bridge is 4th Street Bar and Grill, home of the uh, famous lunch every day. The, the drink comes with it. Of course, uh, you like to shoot some pool. There's always uh, somebody there ready to play and have a good time. And, of course, all the best games are on all the different TVs there, including Southern Miss games. Uh, always Golden Eagle fans on hand to hang out, enjoy 
enjoy the fellowship at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Continuing our discussion with former basketball coach Donnie Tyndall, who's now the head basketball coach at Chipola Junior College. Donnie, you were on the fast track through the Pistons organizations to um, to be an NBA assistant coach and potentially then a head coach. But as far as the assistant coach jobs go, you, you said at the time when you could have had some assistant coaches job that just really wasn't your bag, the assistant coach thing. Well, you know, it, it's tough. This, this coaching decision I made this spring was the toughest one I've ever made. Um, and that may sound corny because you're talking about an assistant job possibly in the NBA, staying as the G League head coach or a junior college. But it, it came down to, you know, I just turned 50 in June. I know, I know what I love to do, and that's be a head coach. And um, I loved being a head coach in the G League. I felt like I grew as a, a coach. I got better. We had very good success, the best uh, winning percentage in the history of the organization. So I loved it. But for me to go to the NBA, obviously you're not going to go from a G League head coach to an NBA head coach. You're going to have to go spend five, six, eight years as an assistant coach. And there's no guarantees you're ever going to get a head coaching job. So my thing was, as I'm turning 50, do I want to wake up every day doing exactly what I love to do in a place I like to live? I love being in the South at the best junior college program in the country. Or do I want to take my chances and, and grind away for five, six, seven years and then maybe get a chance to be a head coach, but very possibly never be a head coach in the NBA with just 30 teams? So I made the decision to, to come to Chipola. I don't have any regret. You know, when I sit on the couch at night and watch those NBA games in the bubble and I see different guys like Billy Donovan and Nick Nurse, et cetera, doing well, who, you know, have had similar type careers uh, as them up until, you know, they became NBA head coaches. Um, you feel like, man, maybe that could have been me someday, but, um, I've really learned, and what I've went through with this whole deal the last five or six years, guys, is you take every day, try to get the best out of it, and, and live with no regrets. And that's certainly not easy, but I'm excited to be at Chipotle and, and uh, be back in college basketball. Coach, I've got two more questions before I turn you back over to Bob Getty. And I'm going to read a quote that James McKissick came out with from the Hoop Scoop, and this is dealing with the elephant in the room. Uh, anytime you you know your name comes up, of course the the stuff at Southern Miss comes up, and here's what James McKissick said from Hoop Scoop when all this was coming down. I'm quoting here: the activities alleged at Southern Miss go on in every Division One basketball program in the country. Regarding Tyndall, the NCAA's decision to impose the harshest penalty on any coach in the history of its existence is imprudent. The penalty simply doesn't fit the crime. The injustice is hampering the NCAA's ability to govern. Remaining respect has been lost. You can't rule effectively if your subjects deem you to be partial, unfair, and self-serving. Coach, if what McKissick says is true, if everything goes on in every one of these Division I programs, why do some schools get away with it and other schools don't, if that's the terminology I'm looking for? The, the biggest thing, and, and James could not be more uh, completely correct in regards to the penalty and the crime. You know, my lawyer and I researched like 25, 30 different cases where this had went on, and the coach ended up getting like a one- to three-year show cause. But what happens, and, and unfortunately I learned this the hard way, is 
if you go in against the NCAA in that uh, committee hearing and you don't have a school, you don't have a university backing you, a president and an AD in that room backing you, they know they can tee off on you, Kelly, and do whatever they choose to do. And Tennessee panicked and fired me, which they shouldn't have. None of the things alleged were ever proven from, that I knew anything about it. Never have been and never will be. And But they cost me my job because the AD at Tennessee panicked. So they had in their mind to give out a penalty that would make it look like I did all this horrible stuff. And that's the reason it cost me my job and $10 million. And that was to give me a 10-year show cause where everyone said, man, this guy must have really done something horrible to get 10 years. And in reality, it was something other coaches had done and got one to three years. So they can do whatever they want. They answer to nobody. And I've done my very best to just say, you know what, Uh, not to get too spiritual here, but God has a plan for whatever reason it was. He took the Tennessee job away. And this is the path I'm now on. Do I think it was fair? Absolutely not. If I learned to just accept it and say, hey, uh, I was used as an example, uh, and I was, and, and that's just part of uh, my story now that I have to live with. And, and, and I've dealt with it the best I can and try to just keep the push behind me and move forward. And, and Bob, to tell, you, to, to tell you more about this, it, it was so severe not only does the, the no shot cause go through April of 2026, but even if Coach Tyndall were to coach in the NCAA again, it's my understanding that he'd have to sit out the first half of the first season even after 10 years. Is that right, Coach? So there you go. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and we're still trying to do some work because they went against their own um, bylaws and giving that penalty, they they aren't allowed to add on um, to the maximum penalty, which the maximum penalty is 10 years, and they did it anyway. So we're hoping at some point we can get that part of it thrown out. But, um, again, you just try not to be consumed by that. And um, had I had a school behind me, guys, it may sound crazy, but had I still been at Southern Miss and I went into that hearing with the Southern Miss president ad and university behind me or i would have still been at tennessee and they would have stayed behind me and i'd not been fired i literally would have got like a six to eight game suspension and moved on and um you know uh that just wasn't the case now the part that i haven't talked about a lot is i feel bad what happened with southern myth because i loved my time there the fans were amazing the administration at the time was really really good to me they did not want me to leave when I did, and, and in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have left. But uh, I felt bad what took place for those returning players. And, um, and, and the bottom line, I still have friends that I consider lifelong friends in Hattiesburg that I stay in touch with and wish that they never would have had to go through that um, because I love Southern Miss and my time spent there. Coach, uh, Jerry Tartanian famously said at UNLV many years ago, one day the NCAA will get so angry at North Carolina, they'll put Central Michigan on probation. That ring true? <laughs> yeah, it really does. I mean, when you, you know, and again, guys, I'm not trying to throw stones, but when you look at some of the things going on and, um, and you know, you're at big schools and your president and your AD stays behind you 
and those coaches survive it, and that's fine, no problem with that. But then, you know, you got the Southern Miss of the uh, Misses of the world that that get pounded and put on probation and different things. It's uh, there's really just no way to explain it because if you haven't lived it, people probably listening say, yeah, okay, whatever. But um, you know, it's it's basically communism. They answer to nobody but themselves, and and there's nothing you can do about it because there is no one to go to above them. They're the final story in the building, and uh, and it is what it is. All right, Coach, we've got about a minute left. Uh, before we let you go, you know, Kirby Kelly Sander, as you so aptly have now labeled him, uh, is a play-by-play voice for professional wrestling. And you had a you had a night, uh, Heath Hinton asked me to pass this question along to you, you had a night where you participated in professional wrestling. And from what I understand, you hit a guy over the head with what, a – a table or a, or a chair or something? A chair, yeah. It, it was it was a lot of fun, you know. And, and I want to say hello to Heath. He's a good dude, and hope you're doing well, Heath. But yeah, I had uh, when I about two months after the Tennessee deal happened, I was still living in Knoxville, and there was an opportunity opportunity for me to help uh, my former director of ops, Justin Phelps, with a, a situation he was involved with. So I was kind of the celebrity i don't think i was still a celebrity but they called it the celebrity guest and and i got involved with uh wrestling for one night and i was the guy that kind of finished off the bad guy with a shirt over the head so if, if nothing else i lost I, I won my last game in tennessee you know and that was my my first and only time in wrestling but i i, I left the building one and oh and retired there you go well coach great conversation yeah, but, but the- Go ahead, Kelly. And every wrestling guy, Donnie, has a nickname. So were you like Delicious Donnie Tyndall or Dr. Donnie Tyndall with the interns? Or, or did you just... Well, well, I would, I'd probably say after all the NSA stuff, Kelly, it was Dirty Donnie Tyndall. <laughs> uh, Coach, uh, we really appreciate your time. Great conversation. I know that uh, some of the best people around the state have enjoyed hearing from you, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck down there in Florida. And we thank you, sir, for coming on the show. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me on, and take care. Coach Donnie Tindall, everybody, now at Chipola Junior College in Florida, former Southern Miss coach, a really great basketball coach. It's uh, moving on with life. All right, we're going to catch up with uh, our buddy Luke. He's on the road. Junior college football is the next subject we're going to tackle as the Eagle Hour rolls along. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We want to thank uh, former basketball coach Donnie Tindall for joining us and having that really interesting conversation. Also, of course, Professor Patrick McGee as he joins us every Thursday. This segment sponsored by Hattiesburg Toyota. What a great place to go buy a new car, truck, or SUV. Big inventory, great uh, inventory of cars, trucks, SUVs, whatever you want. Great products, great service after the sale, and as they say, it'll be the best deal in town at Hattiesburg Toyota. Bob Getty in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. Curvy Kelly Sander uh, joining us remotely today from his home out in Canebrake. And our buddy Luke Johnson now, who is on the road to do Jones uh, Jones College football tonight, uh, checks in with us to give us an update on junior college football. How's the best league in the country shaping up for tonight, Luke? 
It's going to be good, Bob. Good to join you guys. I, I love the uh, the nicknames. Uh, yeah. uh, Kelly, I think we should probably call Bob Bob the Relic Getty. I think that's a pretty <laughs> there good we go. one going that's forward. That's pretty good, yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're headed over uh, to Summit. Jones is taking on Southwest tonight. Jones lost last week to Hines. Uh, really disappointing. Bobcats uh, threw uh, several interceptions. And, or threw some, had some turnovers, and uh, really at the end of the game had everything go wrong in the last minute to, to lose 18 to uh, 16 to to Hines tonight. Southwest uh, shouldn't really put up too much of a challenge. They they've been outscored 62 to three, but we'll be over there tonight. Uh, some, some Jones County kids on Southwest roster. Uh, Jones College, by the way, led by uh, Dayday Hawkins there. Uh, quarterback, and then Romel Webb is an explosive talent uh, out of the Memphis area. He's the running back, and, and Jones has been uh, feeding you know several um, Power Five programs. One starting running back at Florida State came from Jones last year, so we'll be in Summit uh, 6:30 kickoff. You can pick us up on on WLAU and 99.3 FM in Laurel uh, at seven o'clock when uh, Coach Kiffin's show ends. But Northwest at Northeast. Gulf Coast at East Central, and then Saturday, Delta at Kahoma. Uh, Kelly's team, Pearl River, off this week. You know, you go back to that Jones game last week. You sent me a couple of uh, photographs. It sort of looked like to me there was a bad call at the end of that game that may have affected the outcome, Luke. Yeah, Jones was up 16-9, um, to nine, and uh, Hines threw a pass uh, to, to, the, to our near sideline. The guy made the catch, and then Basically, every part of his foot except his toe went out of bounds. There was two officials staring right at it. The Jones players wrongly quit on the play and started pointing, and the guy ran right by him and, and went over 50 yards for a touchdown. Jones blocks the PAT and returns it back to their own five, uh, to the Heinz five-yard line. Uh, the, the guy that returned it kind of ran out of gas, and that would have given him a two-point lead, but the score was 16-15. Uh, Jones player bumped into the official, so Hines got a 15-yard penalty on the kickoff, and they recovered an onside kick uh, when they kicked off from the 50. Drove down about four plays later, kicked a field goal to, to win it. So uh, it was literally a minute when the 50-yard the touchdown started, and 50 seconds, seven seconds later, uh, Hines kicked the field goal to win it, 18-16. to 16. It was a wild finish in Raymond. Yeah, so going to be a good game tonight, no question. Look, I'd like to get, before we run out of time, I'd like to get your thoughts on uh, – on the Donnie Tyndall interview and, and what you heard the former coach say? I thought it was really intriguing about how he talked about you, know, you, you don't find too many guys. You ask people on the street, do you want to be an NBA coach or do you want to be a junior college coach? I thought that was really intriguing, his his thinking through that and, and walking you guys through his decision to, to not be an NBA assistant. Um, and, you know, I was I, – I didn't – we don't want to ever bring up bad things, but I, I thought at the same token – some of his comments related to the NCAA, you know, treatment of Southern Miss through that time, I thought that was uh, I thought that was good for you know people to understand some of the things that maybe they didn't understand publicly. And, and then in, in the first segment uh, with with him, I thought it was great, you know, talking about the the NIT and and how they got snubbed with the NCAA and uh, you know describing that that time of Southern Miss basketball. You know, just like turkey years, because that was a crazy exciting time. But you know what, guys? I, I think found it re- I think we've got that kind of time coming up now too. I, th- I think with uh, with our current coach and the recruiting class that's brought in, I-, I think there are exciting times in store for us. So, again, guys, 
I, I agree with you, Bob, except it was interesting that Donnie was talking about his dissatisfaction with the league back in 2013 as far as the marketing goes and, and right. sticking up for you know, the conference. And here we're, we're, we're still complaining about here in 2020. Seven years later, we're still complaining about Conference USA not, not marketing, you know, not getting up there with the big boys and trying to fight for more scraps from the table. Right. Uh, so that, that problem goes back even that far. Right, no question about that. Well, Luke, we hope you have a safe trip tonight, brother, and uh, we'll be listening to you. Uh, hope Jones does well. They're pretty good this year again, aren't they? They're really good on defense, offense. Just got to put a few things together. But, yeah, they should win one tonight at Southwest. Uh, but it's just fun watching these kids compete. We'll, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. All right, Luke Johnson on the road to do Jones College football for us tonight on Super Talk Mississippi. He'll be back on the show tomorrow as usual. Kelly and I back as well. Kelly, we've had a couple of good days with uh, with D. Mike and uh, Coach Tyndall. Uh, appreciate you getting these great interviews set up for us, brother. Well, man, thanks. I always enjoy uh, talking to these guys and you know keeping in touch their their Southern Miss roots. And we're glad that they're glad to talk to us as well. And not forget where they came from. You know, until tomorrow, Southern Miss to the top. Slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I wanna fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.